Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening. Special topic Thursday, an evening that is tailored to your questions. So basically, I am responding to what is on your heart. You know, I might think I know what you have to hear, but in the end, as we go from one Thursday to the next, it, this really is about what is on your heart and what you want to hear. Uh, certainly, we go through the various aspects of the Christian Catholic faith that we might have a better understanding of the Christian Catholic faith, but there are always those questions that come up, uh, those burning questions. And so this is what this Thursday is about, an evening that is just not devoted to apologetics per se, um, and even to some degree catechetics, catechesis, but also to just any question that is on your heart. Uh, if you if you are a faithful listener, you know that uh, I have also addressed a number of spiritual questions. In point of fact, I would say that most of the questions that I get are really tied to uh, spirituality in general. Certainly there are a lot of apologetic questions, questions tied to both philosophy and theology, but also those questions tied to our everyday life. Not at the removal of philosophy and theology per se, but just that more general practical question. So with that being said, this evening I'm going to respond to a question. It is Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving to all of you, to those of you who are listening to this on Thanksgiving Day. If you're not listening to this by way of podcast, so happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, And it being Thanksgiving, I wanted to respond to the question, what, if any, is the relationship between Catholicism and Thanksgiving? So I thought this would be a, a nice opportunity to just not reflect upon that question and answering it, but also to consider that all-important virtue of gratitude. You've heard me say before that these Thursdays just aren't responding to your questions, but alongside of responding to your questions, reflecting more deeply into the, the principles or maybe better said, virtues that might be tied to some of the questions or underneath some of the questions. So certainly, in a question like that, what, if any, is the relationship between Catholicism and Thanksgiving, it would behoove us to talk about the virtue of gratitude. So, with that, let us respond to the question, you know, what, if any, is the relationship between Catholicism and Thanksgiving? Well, you know, The history books will tell you that the first Thanksgiving was celebrated by the pilgrims in 1621. And really, if you start to pull back the curtain on the origins of this great feast day, that doesn't really stick. The first American Thanksgiving was actually celebrated on September 8th, 1565 in in St. Augustine, Florida. The Native Americans and Spanish settlers held a feast, and, and what was offered there but the Holy Mass. Right, And why is that relevant? Because, my friends, what does the word Eucharist mean? The Eucharist is the Mass, right? Uh, the word Eucharist comes from the Greek uh, Eucharistia, or Eucharisteros, which literally translates as Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. So, to 
ask the question, what if any is a relationship between Catholicism and Thanksgiving, you can already get a sense that, well, (laughs) the Eucharist is probably tied to it, and it is. Now, what's interesting here is the Catholic origins of Thanksgiving doesn't stop there. In point of fact, Squanto, the beloved hero of Thanksgiving, was the Native American man who mediated between the the Puritan pilgrims and the Native Americans. Squanto had been enslaved by the English, but he was freed by who but the Spanish Franciscans. Squanto thus received baptism and became a, a vibrant Catholic. So it was a baptized Catholic Native American who orchestrated what became known as Thanksgiving. And, you know, today we use the language that that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. And while this is language that we've only come to know specifically, the source and summit of our faith, over the last 40 to 50 years, this is something that is deeply entrenched within the Catholic consciousness of the last 2,000 years. Remember what I have said about the Eucharist. When, When Jesus is saying... This cup which is poured out for you, that which is the good news, is the blood of the New Testament. What is he saying? Well, that the Eucharist is the New Testament. The Eucharist is the good news. Me pouring myself out for you is the good news. So something deeply embedded in the Catholic consciousness of her, just not sacred tradition, but again, something rooted in sacred scripture, of course. Now, all that being said... Thanksgiving is traditionally Protestant and marks the tradition of what but religious toleration, something in which, interestingly enough, the Puritan pilgrims did not actually believe. Um, They set up what we would call a theocracy, where you have God in the center of your, your government. So, now where does 1621 come from? That's really an important question as we respond to the initial question. Well, it all started with uh, Richard Clifton, who was a churchman of England in Nottinghamshire in the early 1600s. Clifton uh, sympathized with the separatists of that era. Now, who were the separatists? Separatists were uh, the Calvinistic nonconformists to uh, the doctrine and liturgy of the Church of England. Now, in an, in an important moment in history in 1604, the Hampton Court Conference held by King James I condemned those who would not conform to the more outwardly Catholic usages in the Church of England, i.e. robes, candles, bowing the head at the name of Christ, so on and so forth. Uh, And the result was that Richard Clifton was stripped of his clerical status in the Church of England and shortly thereafter went to Amsterdam and was followed by his disciples, those we call in more conventional terms, pilgrims. Uh, These pilgrims moved around a bit until finally coming to America in 1620, and in 1621, the pilgrims allegedly celebrated a happy meal with the Native Americans, and the rest is what you'll find in your history books. Now, in a manner of speaking, a careful tracing of the origins of Thanksgiving reveals that, that Thanksgiving celebrates those who defied the Church of England and the Crown of England. What's more, the penal laws of England regarding nonconformists affected not only the rigorous Calvinistic Puritans in England, but also the English Catholic uh, recusants, right? So the pilgrims share the same lot as the Catholic faithful of England. Now, it's also important to note here that 
the Catholics who lived in Nottinghamshire, where the uh, pilgrims originated, were persecuted mercilessly. Mercilessly. So while Thanksgiving may celebrate the Calvinist separatists who fled England, Catholics also might remember of the same unjust laws that granted the crown of martyrdom to who? The Thomas More, uh, John Fisher, Edmund Campion, these uh, great priests, these great men. Um, when I was in Oxford, England, I had the real privilege to pray at the spot where Edmund Campion was martyred, and uh, it was a deeply moving experience for me. Edmund Campion is a Jesuit who bore witness to his Catholic faith, and he was martyred because he was not going to bow down to the laws of England. And so, again, Thomas More, John Fisher, Edmund Campion, these are important figures as well to remember. All of these men experienced the same injustices that led the pilgrims to Plymouth. And so there's a direct correlation there as well. It's interesting to note here, uh, Taylor Marshall, who I was reading up on to help prepare for this evening, makes note that there's another bit of trivia that the truly first Thanksgiving was celebrated on American soil on April 30th, 1598. So while I just mentioned St. Augustine in Florida, this is more of the formal first Thanksgiving in 1598 in Texas, where one Juan de Onate declared a day of Thanksgiving to be commemorated by the what? But the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Uh, my friends, I just said that Eucharistia means what? But Thanksgiving to offer thanks. But if you really get into the Greek word Eucharistia, what is the root? But charis, grace. That Eucharist more literally translates as to offer graciously, and really that which is full of grace, hmm? that which is full of grace, to offer graciously. So here we can turn to a reflection on gratitude, because you can see immediately that Thanksgiving really is about gratitude, uh, graciousness. In fact, gratitude itself comes from a Latin word that means the release of graciousness or the release of loveliness the release of that which is full of grace. So in the Eucharist, you have that which is a release of the plentitude of grace. And so we are grateful for that. I just love that reflection, that tie between Eucharist and gratitude. And so with that, let us turn our attention to, well, I want to go to sacred scripture. I want to go to sacred scripture. I want to go to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. And this is really to get our discussion started on gratitude. There we read in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, the story of the 10 lepers, Jesus traveling between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain town, 10 lepers implored him from an appropriate distance to have what but mercy on them. And what does Jesus do? Jesus responded to them, by instructing them to show themselves to the priests. Now, this was not a cure, but the promise of a cure, right? Lepers could be readmitted to society only after they had been certified by priests that they were completely clean. Okay, so this was a part of the Old Testament law, and Jesus was being faithful to that. So, obedient to the master's instruction, the lepers made their way to the priests, 
and en route, what happens? Miraculous cures begin to happen. Miraculous cures begin to transpire. And one of the ten, a Samaritan, incidentally enough, returned to Jesus to express his gratitude. His gratitude. And after prostrating himself before the feet of Jesus and offering Jesus this copious amount of thanks, the Samaritan heard him say to all who were present, were not ten made clean? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Mm. So what is going on there? Here we are made to see that while gratitude pleases Jesus very much, clearly we can see this in a lot more places, its absence also brings him sorrow. Its absence also brings him sorrow. The fact that Jesus did not cure all ten lepers immediately gave them the opportunity to decide whether they should return to him directly and express their gratitude as soon as their cures took place. The delayed miracle allows the story to really underscore the significance of gratitude and invites us to reflect why Jesus prizes it so highly. You've heard me quote the great writer on virtue, Donald DeMarco, Dr. Donald DeMarco, I believe he teaches at Boston College, at least he did at one time. He says that fundamentally, gratitude is a response to a gift. Because there is a wide range in the importance of gifts, there is correspondingly an equally wide range in levels of gratitude. For lesser gifts, such as giving someone the time of day, a simple expression of thanks is little more than a courtesy. But the large gifts, life itself, a miraculous cure, sacramental gifts, demand that gratitude include far more than a gesture of courtesy. So what is he saying here? That God's generous presence in our lives should lay claim to a form of gratitude, my friends, that is never satisfied by their mere recitation of thanks, but really requires us to express our gratitude in action. Being grateful for the little thing and the big thing. And as Donald DeMarco speaks to it, yeah, on one hand, the little thing might not have this huge expression of gratitude, gratefulness, like it might on a much larger scale. But nonetheless, in the end, everything is blessing, everything is gift. Therefore, we should be perpetually grateful. So the kind of gratitude then that God is hoping to find is one that includes always this deeper bond of friendship, this deeper bond of commitment, just not to God, but at the same time and out from that to service, which again, to some degree, brings us back to the deeper meaning of Eucharistia, a gracious offering of oneself all the time. The Eucharist is about friendship. When did Jesus first say to his apostles, I now call you my friends? Context is so important in sacred scripture. When is the first time he says, I now call you my friends? But while he is instituting the Eucharist, right? While he is instituting the Eucharist, because he wants to teach us that it is in the Eucharist that we become true friends, that we are endowed with the grace uh, necessary to become that deep and true friend. 
Donald DeMarco tells of a story about this Father Martin as a Peruvian Jesuit and how it was believed that he felt gratitude was so important, so fitting as a response to God's gratuity that he trained himself to say, Deo gracias, 400 times a day. Thanks be to God, 400 times a day. And he was emphatic about encouraging others to do the same. 400 times a day. I mean, imagine if you said thank you, Jesus, to everything that was given to you in a day, every encounter you had in a day, every conversation. Maybe you might not get to 400, but you'd be surprised at the number of times you would say, Deo gracias. Thanks be to God. God wants our gratitude, my friends, because he wants our continuing friendship, which enables him to lavish us, to lavish us with his additional gifts. We know how easy it is to be ungrateful, how a preoccupation with ourselves can cause us to forget our benefits as, as well as our benefactors. But in addition to that, ingratitude weakens our bonds, just not with our neighbor, but with God. St. Uh, Bernard of Clairvaux once said, Ingratitude is a searing wind which dries up the springs of pity, the dew of mercy, the streams of grace. My dear friends, ingratitude leads to spiritual isolation. Therefore, we could say, as Donald DeMarco does, gratitude really is the triumph over selfishness and isolation. And this certainly is what is most pleasing to God. Most pleasing to God. Donald DeMarco recounts of a story of Abraham Lincoln, and I wanted to share this. I, I thought this to be so striking. In 1863, during the American Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln was deeply concerned that America no longer seemed gratefully disposed to her creator. Uh, disposition, my friends, is so important. Right? We fail in the Christian life far too often because we are not disposed. When we do what God desires us to do, we do so because we are disposed to hear Him, right? We are disposed in gratitude. So, in order to remind his fellow countrymen of their need to thank God and, and reestablish their friendship with Him, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. On that day, Lincoln stated that although Americans had been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven, they had forgotten God. Listen to Abraham Lincoln here, his own words. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and, and virtue of our own. He concludes, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Hear those words, my friends, intoxicated with unbroken success. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God who made us. Wow! I think these words resonate 
with where we are at in 2017. Lincoln's understanding of the importance of gratitude was so profound. <laughs> he knew what, but that a weakened relationship with God would inevitably mean a weakened relationship with one another. Certainly the Civil War itself was an ample testimony to this very truth and to this very fact. What else could we say about gratitude? Well, again, we turn our attention to Donald DeMarco. I love this phrase, gratitude is the memory of the heart. Gratitude is the memory of the heart. So what is it then? An expression of love and abiding friendship, one that is rooted in a gratefulness for what but what one has done for us, what has been given to us. Gratitude has a way of transforming us into dynamic Christians. <laughs> what did St. Paul say? Blessed is the man who always gives thanks to God. To remember what someone has done for you in an act of kindness becomes not only a strength in our time of need, but also a kind of launching point to desire to give back, right? You know, there is something about the nature of gratitude. Gratitude must always be expressed to who? But to another person, right? We recognize what someone has done for us, so our appreciation for that person culminates in an act of gratitude, a thank you, a release of loveliness, a release of grace, a release of love. There is something else that is fascinating about the virtue of gratitude. On one level, it would appear to be the least costliest of all the virtues. I mean, how much energy does it take to say, thank you? And yet, are we not more apt to grumble about the thorns on the rose than be grateful for its bloom and sweet fragrance? Where are we? Is all that we see in life the thorn? Or is all that we smell in life the sweet fragrance? kind of a <laughs> cup half empty, cup half full. There is a wonderful Jewish legend that has been handed down. When God finished creation, he asked the angels what they thought of it. One of them replied, the world is so vast and so perfect that the only thing that could possibly be owed to God is what but gratitude. Gratitude. Brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever the last thing was, that God did for you should always be the next thing that you give thanks to God for. And so with that, I propose to you a challenge on this Thanksgiving evening. And certainly, please take this if you're listening to this after Thanksgiving. What is the last thing that God did for you? And are you thankful for it? And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, maybe we are struggling in a relationship with God and we are struggling with gratitude. And in everything that I've said this evening, be rest assured, my friends, what I'm talking about now, as it's a release of graciousness, a release of grace, it is something that belongs to grace. We need to pray for the grace to live in gratitude. Yes, it is a virtue, but again, one that is built upon grace and so if we are struggling in a relationship and we're just finding it hard to be grateful for the things that God is doing in our lives, draw back and take this time as an opportunity to ask all of the hard questions, go to sacred scripture, draw from the saints, draw from the writings of the saints, 
Go before God asking him to breathe new life into you. Go to confession. Do the things that are necessary for you to be right with God and, and be humble. You know, I always find that once I find that wherewithal within me to, to be humble, just I am then more what but disposed, disposed to see what I need to see, which lends itself to what but gratitude, gratitude, and being grateful for the last thing that God did for me, that the next thing God might do for me might be one received as it ought to be received, not with a grumble, but with a sense of grace-filled receptivity. Amen? <laughs> Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of another evening. And I say to you, God, and hopefully everyone joins me in saying this, thank you for the gift of yourself, the gift of your love, the gift that has ransomed us from sin and brought us life, life that we discover in the cross and in the gift of the Holy Spirit. We pray this Thanksgiving for a renewal, a renewal in our lives, a renewal in our hearts, a renewal in our friendships, that indeed we might see our friendship with you as that link, that prism from which to better understand our relationships with one another and how we ought to be grateful for them. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.